What is up, Steelers Nation? Thank you so much for jumping on to another episode of All Steelers Talk. I'm Noah Strackbine, joined always by my main man, Stephen Thompson. Find us on YouTube.com slash All Steelers Talk or subscribe anywhere. You get your podcast, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, it's a victory Friday, and it feels damn good. They beat the Tennessee Titans in week nine, 20 to 16, another fourth quarter experience, another fourth quarter comeback for Kenny Pickett and company. Some major changes for the Pittsburgh Steelers offense prior to this game that seemingly worked out for them in their favor against the Tennessee Titans. We'll dive into those, plus a little bit of drama developing in the wide receiver core and our thoughts on Kenny Pickett's performance with another comeback in week nine. It is a sunny, beautiful day in the Berg. Yesterday was as perfect to football weather, I think, as you could possibly get walking into the stadium, even leaving it at night. It was it was beautiful at one in the morning. I think that just comes with the Pittsburgh Steelers win. How are we feeling, my friend? You know, I, I'd love to say that a win has me energized, you know, ready to go. Um, 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 you know, just just not feeling the the one a.m. or two a.m. bedtime at all. But no, no, you're you're still feeling it the day after. I'm a little yeah. a little sleepy this morning. Yeah, it's uh, anytime you you crawl into bed and you look at the alarm clock and you go, all right, four four hours. Anytime you have to count <laughs> the amount of sleep you're right. about to get, you know it's fits, gonna be a rough time. If it fits on one hand, that's yeah. that's when you know you got a problem. Yeah, it's it's always real rough. I was telling you guys before we jumped on here, I did my to go at about like two, two thirty in the morning last night. And as I finished and uploaded it to YouTube, I was just sitting there. I was going, This is not good. This is <laughs> you're not doing quality work at two thirty in the morning. But that's what comes yeah. with Thursday night games. That's just what you get. It was a thriller. The Pittsburgh Steelers, they don't seem to do it any other way this season. 20 to 16 over the Titans. There are two major changes. That's where we got to start. Matt Canada moved from the box to the sideline the first time in three years, seemingly worked in the Pittsburgh Steelers' favor. They score an opening drive touchdown instantly. The place is rocking. Everybody immediately was like, all right, Canada is never going back up to the box ever again. From there, seemed to have a flow most of the game. A fun stat for the Pittsburgh Steelers here. They did two things last night offensively. They either scored points or they went three and out. There was no in between. There was no two first downs and a punt, nothing. They either kicked a field goal, scored a touchdown, went three and out. Feels like a win for them. Canada comes down to the sideline. Everybody seems to be a fan. What were your thoughts on it? Well, I mean, you know, I wasn't on the sideline, so I can't tell you exactly how it changed things or or how it worked out actually you know functionally on the sideline but I mean if it ain't broke don't fix it like it seemed like this this did work um you know hearing from the players after the game it seemed like it you know streamlined communication they were able to just talk to them more easily and and get things across you know face to face that maybe they weren't able to over a headset um you know it seemed like in the second half that it helped them make adjustments more quickly and and more clearly um and yeah like I mean like I said, we're probably never going to know just how much this this stuff actually helps. But, uh, you know, if, if it results in a win, if it results in 20 points, I don't know where that ranks among how many points they've scored this year. Like that's I think they scored more in the Raiders game. And yeah, that might be it. That might honestly. be it. Yeah. Uh, they scored more in the oh, Browns LA game where game. they had. Yeah. T- yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. They did score more in okay. the L.A. T- game, too. 
But the, even yeah. that, they got set up with a turnover, and then the Browns game, they scored more than 20, but they got yeah. two defensive touchdowns, so I don't know if that really counts. But, um, yeah, this was this was good. Um, this this was good, and I, I guess, like, like I said, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. it. It seemed like something was working. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, as soon as if you could score an opening drive touchdown with the Pittsburgh Steelers offense, you don't you don't change that. Whatever you did, it worked. You continue to do it moving forward. I felt like everybody afterwards was, you know, a fan of it. Deontay Johnson said that it was nice to kind of have Canada down there to just talk through things. Jalen Warren said the same thing. I think what the best thing was is that you watched it from the box. Canada would sit down with Kenny after every single drive. They'd go through a lot of stuff. They'd go through the past drive and then what they expect on the upcoming drive. And then he'd like make his rounds. Like he'd go over and talk to the wide receiver core. And then he'd talk to the offensive lineman and then go back to Kenny. And I'm like, that like, that's huge. Like you have, it's not just your quarterback who has struggled this season. It's all facets of your offense. And to have that time to sit there and say, okay, look at, Hey, this is what we got to improve on. This is what we're doing. Even if it's just encouragement, even if you just go over there and you're like, Hey guys, look at things are going to be fine. That was a bad drive. We'll get them on the next time. That's like, you're like part of it. You know, I felt like Canada prior to this week being up in the box, it was almost as if it was like a disconnect. It was just like the Pittsburgh Steelers, Matt Canada's all the way up there. Nobody really cares about him. If he's down there, I felt like he was part of the mix. He was part of the team. Also thought it was very interesting just watching everybody just like analyze Canada all night long. Like at one point I saw a tweet that said that he's like 10 yards behind the play while calling the play. I thought that was hilarious just because like we now like he is the it, it didn't matter what was happening on the field. Canada was doing his thing on the sideline and everybody's just like, all right, what's different? Let's. Let's talk right. about it. I think it was huge for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't expect it to change, which sucks for Canada because it's about to get real cold outside <laughs> and he's about to free. That was my first thought. I was just like, dude, you were in the comfy box for three years and everything was just nice and warm and heated up there. And now you got to go on the sideline and just sweat it or and just freeze it out for the next two months, two and a half months. That's uh, that's a rough time, but it was. It was a victory. I got to say, I think it was. Was it enough for you to, you know, put some worries away about this offense? Because I think, you know, overall, it was probably their most complete game, even if it wasn't perfect. Yeah. And and to your point about it not being perfect, I mean, I thought the structure of the offense was good. Like guys were running open. The running game really worked whenever they struggled to put up points or gain yards. Wasn't really on Matt Canada. It was no. someone else's fault, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But he he schemed open. He schemed guys open, you know. And he got like I think especially the Deontay touchdown. Like yes. if you saw the like, uh, I mean, you obviously saw it from the from the booth. But like the play design on that was awesome. Like it was yeah. a great play for the moment. Um, and it like designed a uh, perfectly open Deontay Johnson. It was it was great, and just being able to get the running game going off of that uh, was really huge too. And um, yeah, I expect it to continue as well. Um, and, and like I said, is if they can clean up the one biggest issue that they had yeah. uh, from this game, like the, the sky's the limit for, the, for this offense. Yeah, and I think that is where we go next with this is there was one very alarming piece to the offense that did not click, that continued to struggle. Obviously, he had a fourth quarter comeback. He continues to do his thing. Kenny comeback is a real thing. But Kenny Pickett struggled against the... The Tennessee Titans, you know, there were really never a moment prior to that fourth quarter in that game winning drive. 
I mean, there was some here or there. I thought the opening drive was good. But even then, there was two, maybe three missed passes. And his one great pass, or his one real crucial catch to Allen Robinson was like a full yard behind him on that opening drive. Outside of a few passes, I thought Kenny Pickett struggled. Obviously, he had the rib injury. People are going to talk about that if that's a concern. But these concerns have happened all season long. What were your thoughts on Kenny last night? How worried are you about Kenny Pickett? And also, at the same time, like how much are you using the rib injury as an excuse to kind of overlook things? I think I think Kenny was not very good for about, call it 80% of this game. I mean, really up yeah. until he had the first drive and the last drive. And I felt like the rest of that, it was real iffy. Um, just missing open receivers, like wide open receivers. Yes. Um, and it wasn't missing by a couple inches or something. It was missing by, you know, a couple feet or something. It was like overthrowing George Pickens, which, man, that is hard to do. You know, like yes. um, just misfires that were completely baffling. Um, I, I feel like it's a little bit of like the uh, the Jesse Eisenberg meme where he's like, he can't keep getting away with this. Like, yeah. Kenny can't like it's it's I mean, he obviously has gotten away with it, but he's, yeah. uh, you know, to a certain extent, but he he's not very good for the vast majority of games, but as long as it's a close game, you feel extremely confident that if you give him the ball, you know, in a one score game with less than seven or eight minutes left, you feel like he's going to get you a win out of that. So that's, that's good. But I mean, it's just why, why does this stuff not work in the first or second or third quarters? Um, And the rib injury, like I, I believe that maybe had somewhat of an impact on him, but that also that but that begs the question again: Why did it work so well in the fourth quarter on that last yep. drive, on that first drive, uh, without you know the kind of same results in the middle, you know, middle third or whatever, middle three quarters of that game? Yeah, it, it didn't really make sense to me. Yeah, I agree. And I think the thing with the rib injury and and I get it. I'm not trying to like overlook a, a, a injury that he was very clear. Hey, this hurts when I throw the football. OK, right. well, that's a massive that's, part of your job. Yeah. I get that. But at the same time, like this isn't the first time that this happened. This wasn't one bad game from Kenny Pickett. This is this has been eight games all season long where Kenny Pickett is good in the fourth quarter. I, I mean, except for like San Francisco and Houston outside of those two games. So six out of the eight games. Kenny Pickett has only been good in the second half of a game or in the final quarter of a game, and he hasn't been good throughout the entire rest of the game. So I'm not, I can't use it as an excuse. Like I can't look at the rib injury and say, oh, well, Kenny was hurt. That's why it took him a while and he he saved it all for the end. Like, no, that's just what Kenny does. That's just who he is as a quarterback. I think that there were limitations there in in what he was physically able to do, but I also think that he's done all of these things all season long. He has missed deep shots because he has underthrown or overthrown guys. He has overthrown almost every receiver on this roster or thrown behind them or thrown at their feet. I mean, that Allen Robinson touchdown prior to the, no, I think it was earlier in the game, but that Allen Robinson in the end zone where he like skips it to him. I'm just watching that play and I'm going, that's a touchdown. If you can make an NFL throw like that's, that's most quarterbacks are going to make that throw. Allen Robinson should have been in the end zone. That was huge. The uh, the opening drive where he threw not one, but two of them over Deontay's head. That was bad. And the Calvin Austin one keeps coming back to me, but that was real bad. That's that a touchdown, one, too. That one I'm willing to be a little bit more forgiving on. He 
probably could have put more on that, but he also had pressure like right in his face as he was trying to throw that one. That I like, agree, but I also think that in the NFL, like like if he's made one of those throws ever, I'd be like, all right, like you know, the, but he's just never. He yeah. always underthrows guys when it's deep. I will say that he that pass to Deontay down the sideline, that was phenomenal. Yeah, that was that was nice. Yeah, I did see people. I saw people trying to be like, "Oh, well, that's lucky." You know, if the DB turns his head around at all, like that's no. a, that's a PBU. Like, no, oh, that was well, a dime. He didn't. Well, he didn't. Like, so <laughs> I don't really know what you want. Like, yeah, it's um, I I think also didn't that Calvin pass that pass to Calvin down the middle that hit Calvin in his hands, didn't it? Like, no, no, it got passed. Oh, it, didn't it, I thought so too? And then they showed the replay, and it like comes down into the defender's arms. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, Calvin yeah. doesn't even get a hand on it because I thought the same thing. And I was like, oh, all right, well, you know, underthrown, but you got to make a play on that one. Right. That was on Kenny. But that's but again, he has that moment against Deontay. He has the fourth quarter. Like my thoughts are this. If the Pittsburgh Steelers could play exactly how they played last night, they'll win games and they'll win a lot mm-hmm. of games and they'll have opportunities against really good teams. But my thoughts are also like. OK, how long do you go? You can't live. You you cannot develop a team and say, all right, well, our quarterback is unavailable to us for the first three quarters. But that fourth quarter, man, he's going to turn it on. And as long as we keep it close, he should win a ball game. That's just way too much. That's not a winning formula for any team. I don't know how long you keep it going. But for right now, that's my biggest concern. Right. And there would be games where you can pull yourself out of an early deficit if you have a quarterback who's ready to go right from the jump. Like they probably wouldn't be five and three right now. They could be six and two or seven and one, you know, like if they're a little bit more competitive early on in that in that Texans game, I don't think it gets out of hand uh, later in the way that it did. If you can get something going against the Jaguars early on. I mean, yeah, you only lost by 10 to the Jaguars. If you score 20 points, you're at least in overtime. Uh, It's. That that part of it is frustrating, I think, is that the kind of you're I don't think you're particularly unhappy maybe with where they're at right now. But you just think about kind of the lost potential because you spend three quarters or two quarters messing around or just playing without an offense for the most part. Yeah, exactly. Like you are you're set up where your defense has to carry your offense. I mean, Tomlin said it last week. He goes, yeah, we got two two turnovers, but they weren't really advantageous turnovers. And they're like, yeah, they're, they weren't advantageous. Yeah. Like they weren't, they weren't touchdowns. They didn't get you into the red zone, but they stopped touchdowns. Both of them were, both of them were in the red zone. Like you, you, it's either points on the board or you get the ball back. That's as advantageous as it gets, but you can't make the most out of that. Like that's just too, it's too much pressure to put on your defense. And the craziest part is like, after watching yesterday, it's like Canada could lead an offense. He could design an offense. We've seen it more than once this season that can go out there and win. And that could, that could carry a defense. He just doesn't have the quarterback that's making throws and it becomes, you know, very, very concerning about like, I think, I think the biggest thing is just like, Kenny sets the ceiling for the Pittsburgh Steelers right now. Are they like, are they a playoff team? Can they beat teams like the Buffalo bills or the Miami dolphins or the Kansas city chiefs? It all depends on if Kenny Pickett shows up for more than a quarter. If he does, cool. You got an opportunity because you have the defense and you have the running game. And now the offensive line looks good. If he doesn't, I think you go into those games and you're thinking there's no way this is like, we're about to get smoked. You know, there's just no way that you could hold on to these guys. I just, I don't know. Like, you know, you can't give up on Kenny, right? Like you're not, you're not putting Mitch in. You're not even thinking about Mason. Like this is Kenny Pickett's team for the rest of the season. Is there, 
do you hit a point? Because I think I've hit a point where this back half is so crucial that I think if nothing does turn around in the offseason, you got to make a you, you, like you have to at least consider a change. I don't know where that change is, but at least you have to consider it. Um, I don't know if I'm there yet. I, I think I think okay. there's still something here. Um, I'm not ready to like completely throw Kenny out just yet. I'll, you know, admit right away that he's part of the problem right now, uh, in a way that I don't think yeah. people had kind of been given proper credit to, um, for most of the season. Uh, but I, I don't know. Like, I, I just think about what your options may be. Like, what are you going to, you going to draft one? You gonna, like, are you going to use I just, That's a, my thought is like, what are you doing? Right. A third or fourth round pick on on a quarterback and then I don't know, like, I don't think the free agent class is going to be particularly enticing. And then even then, like how much money do you have to, to spend on a quarterback? Like, I, I think the question has to be, do you know that you can upgrade? Because I don't know if that's, if that's certain. Um, and, and to and yeah. to be like perfectly fair to Kenny, like there's a lot of reasons that you could kind of explain away some of these struggles, like the inconsistencies of the offensive line, uh, the, inconsistencies of the run game his receivers haven't always been perfect I mean he's got a good group but uh you know there's a little bit left to be desired there I mean it's the and then also like there was the fact that like Matt Canada wasn't you know he yeah last night was his best game last night was his best game I think since he's I don't know I can't say I guess since he's been in Pittsburgh but you know since since uh, I can since he's been in Pittsburgh right well okay since like at least since Kenny's taken over a starting quarterback that was his best game so yeah I don't know I think you got to give it a little bit more time than than this but sure I I I guess if if you get the kind of same results where Kenny doesn't play for three quarters and then somehow brings it alive in the fourth you can start asking questions about well is there a quarterback out there who can play for four quarters instead of one like let's let's (laughs) you can start having that conversation yeah I think I think what just like you said, like they're in a spot where it's tough to upgrade. I think that's my biggest qualm here is like you're not gonna like you're not gonna draft quarterback with the twenty second pick or the twenty third pick, whatever you end up with. You're not signing Kirk Cousins, like that's not gonna happen. You're gonna be looking at like Tyler Heineke's and you know, Malik Willis's and saying, like, oh, all right, well, maybe we can make something out of these guys, but no, you can't. And I think maybe you do go get a better backup just in case because Mitch isn't the guy and you know. I just think at some point you got to you got to get somebody back there who if you do put in the ball game you are confident could win. I think a guy like Tyler Heineke could be an option there. But he's not an upgrade, you know, and just like you said like you got to rock with what you got cuz you got salary cap uh implications and the whole nine. But it is it is concerning. Like it is it it's concerning that if the rest of it clicks, you know, and Kenny doesn't where you at? Like what if Canada has a phenomenal rest of the season? And that's a big, if that's a giant, 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 if, but Canada has, if we're going to be honest, Canada has one complete game this season. Kenny Pickett has zero and scoreboard is concerning because I'd rather it be the other way. You could replace your offense coordinator. That's the easiest thing to do in the NFL. There's a million, there are a million quarterback coaches out there or just waiting for the opportunity for somebody to hire them as an offensive coordinator. It is so hard to find a franchise quarterback. It is the hardest thing to do in the NFL. And that's where, that's where things get concerning. But I think Will Levis looked last night, like a guy who can make NFL throws and Kenny didn't. And that's what, that's what worries me. You know, even if it didn't come out with a win, 
I watched Levis and I just went, uh, that guy, like that guy's got the arm. That guy's got the, the ability. I went into that game thinking like, oh, Will Levis is someone I'm going to think stinks no matter how well he plays. Like I'm just always yeah. going to have this stink on him. No, nah, he looked great. I was really impressed with him. He he was nice. That's what I'm saying. Like he just looked like he looks like an NFL capable quarterback. And I think Kenny still has not like he just hasn't done those things yet consistently enough where it's just like, oh, okay, well, Kenny could be that guy too, you know, outside of a couple throws here. But again, we can't make decisions. No changes will be made anytime soon. So this is just strictly our thoughts on Kenny Pickett and the fact that he is most certainly struggling. Let's go back to some changes for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Broderick Jones replaces Chooks core four as the right tackle. According to Chooks, it was an incident after the Jaguars game on Sunday that made that forced the decision and the Steelers went with the rookie at right tackle over the six-year vet. Chooks, is, uh, his cap hit, I believe, is just under $20 million this season. They do not have an out until after the year where I believe his dead cap next year is just over $3 million. So that's available, but he is your most expensive offensive lineman this year, including Isaac Siamalu and James Daniels, who are both signed in free agency. Broderick looked, uh, he looked good in my opinion. Do you have, uh, you got thoughts? Yeah, I thought he looked really good. Um, I mean, <laughs> the team numbers kind of tell you the story. I mean, 165 yards rushing. That was the best the run game has looked in how long, like, you know, freaking yeah, while all year. Yeah. And then no sacks yeah. on a night where you couldn't afford to let Kenny take any hits, you know, like it seemed like mm-hmm. I, I got the sense from that, from the way he talked this week, that that rib injury was precarious. You know, it was delicate. It was a delicate yes. situation. And they handled him with care. No sacks against that defensive line is huge. That is that is great. And Broderick yeah. played his part in it. He looked athletic, uh, getting to the second level to to block on a bunch of these runs and spring some big ones for for Najee and Jalen. And that that run game like saved him. You know, like he they were yeah they they needed the run game to get going so badly, and they were able to kickstart it. And Broderick was a big part of that. I thought. Yeah, I agree. I I was expecting some struggles. I thought that, you know, the rookie going from the left side, his natural position to the right side, this was going to be bad. It was going to draw a ton of concern for him moving forward. No, Broderick looked like a stud. Now my only concern is if you rock him at right tackle all season and then you move him to the left side next year, is he still going to be good? Or is it going to give you an excuse to just say, oh, well, Dan Moore is fine and this is our offensive line, which I'm like maybe I'm okay with, but... I would rather Broderick to be on the left side and then you go find a right tackle either in the draft or somewhere else. I mean, do I even have to ask this? Does Chooks start again this season? No way. You can't you can't send Chooks back out there. Like I don't like I don't know what the incident was. I don't know what he did. Uh I don't know the the extent of it, but even yeah. even if he didn't have any kind of, you know, anything disciplinary hanging above him, Broderick was way too good, I think, to Yes. To to bench him. Like I think until Broderick stinks, quite honestly, like you gotta treat Broderick like he's a he's a veteran. You know, like this is a a normal situation because he looked he looked so beyond what you thought a, a rookie would, would look like. He was he was not perfect, I guess, but he was he was damn close. Like I, I you know, you you didn't notice him at all, which for an offensive line is well not that's not true. I did notice him. But I mean, you didn't, you weren't sitting there going, <laughs> you noticed like, them in a good way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, for an offensive lineman to stay relatively quiet is, is pretty good. You just kind of looked up at halftime and you're in like, hmm, 
Kenny's jersey's pretty clean. They're running the ball real well. Like, this is good. This yep. is good. No complaints. Yeah, and he was so no. I, I just don't see how you could how you could put Chooks back in there uh after a night like Broderick had. No, I agree. And like you think about it, like was there any offensive linemen that were complained about last night? Nobody was complaining about Dan Moore. Nobody was complaining about Mason Cole. Nobody was complaining about Broderick Jones. It was just a good offensive line play. And maybe it's just that simple. You know what I mean? Maybe it's a guy, Kenny said it afterwards. He's like, yo, Broderick brings so much energy. Maybe that's what you need. Maybe you need some young energy out there to just like get everybody going and feel confident in these guys. And I, again, I don't know what happened with Chooks, but if he said something after the time or after the Jaguars game that he shouldn't have said as a six year vet, maybe leadership wise, he's not the guy that you want out there. And morale wise, he's not the guy that you want out there. I think talent alone, Broderick Jones starts the rest of the season and you're crazy if you make the move like the just how good the running game was last night. It was enough for me to say like, oh, okay, well, like, why would why would you want to go back? Najee Harris ran faster than I've ever seen Najee (laughs) Harris run in his entire life, entire life. Jalen Warren was explosive. Broderick Jones was pulling from the right side to the left side on runs like Trent Williams style blocking. It was it was it was all around great. And to make that, I mean, you can't make that move. You can't. I I know. I know Chooks maybe is just a one game discipline, but. I don't care if he's your most expensive lineman at this point in the season, whatever it's there. It's a loss. We're, we're nine right. weeks into this thing, you know, just start the rookie. Like you're not taking a cap hit at this point. It's already happened. Like who cares right. yeah, if yeah. your most expensive lineman is on the bench, you made a d- mistake. Who cares? Yeah. You already eaten that money. Don't like double down on it just because you've yeah. already, you're, you're paying him that money. Yeah. I Broderick was. So if I remember correctly, like his not coming out of the draft was, Decent pass blocker, but struggles in the run game. Like struggles to be a little, little physical. No, there, opposite, I... opposite. Oh, great really? run okay. blocker. Well, yeah, then this great w- run blocker, super athletic. Struggled in the pass game. Well, I mean that. Okay, then that makes a lot more sense. What we saw, what we saw <laughs> last night. Um, but even like yeah. even in pass pro, like zero sacks is zero sacks. Like that's that's yep. real good. I mean it. I mean he also. I mean I don't even think he gave I'll, up a pressure. Yeah. I'll be interested to see, like, okay, the the competition is going to take a a step up, you know, after this Packers game. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's Browns and Bengals are back to back after that. Yeah, Packer, Packers, Cleveland, Cincy, Arizona. Okay, so those those Browns and and Bengals games are going to be pretty telling. I feel like that's where you're really gonna gonna see if you got something here, um, because you know Titans got a decent pass rush, but. You know, they're not elite on the level of Cleveland and Cincinnati, who you're going to see more often. You're going to see those guys twice a year. So that's when I think you're, we can really start to make some serious judgments about Broderick, but you got to leave him in to, to answer those tests and to, to let those guys challenge him and see what you got. Yeah, you have to. You have to. That is uh, that's the easiest decision the Pittsburgh Steelers can make moving forward. Uh, the other one is that Joey Porter Jr. should always mirror the star wide receiver for an opposing team. Like that was the most badass thing that the Pittsburgh Steelers have done all season long. Is Joey going up to the coaches at halftime and saying, "Yo, look, I want, I want Hopkins, man. Just pull me out. I'll shut him down." And it worked. Like yeah. that guy had three touchdowns on four receptions last week, and this week he did absolutely nothing i mean that's you got two guys that you looked at this draft class three weeks ago 
and you were like, okay, Joey looks good, but like, you know, we have no idea what he's going to do in a starting role. Broderick, he looked good in the one start, but like, again, like, we haven't really he, seen we, yeah. we have no idea. Yeah, you're you're entering week 10, and you're just like, oh, this is a great draft class, actually. This right. is Keanu Benton looked real good last night. Like, Darnell Washington caught a pass. Darnell yeah, Washington caught that. a pass last night. And, everybody <laughs> it was a good fun. one for the draft yeah. class. It was Everybody had fun. Nick Herbig's been playing well. It was a great night for the Pittsburgh Steelers draft class, and I think that's just that's where you go from here. You know what I mean? Like, just build on your young guys and say, hey, let's start utilizing this talent in the back half of the season and – see if it carries us because the veterans, you know, the veterans had us had the Steelers here and I like, you know, that's a winning record maybe, but I think you just add a little boost to talent and, you know, you start to rise. And I think that we saw that, especially with Broderick, but Joey Porter too, man, he, he had one hell of a game. All right. Next thing I want to talk about a little drama brewing in the, uh, in the Pittsburgh Steelers offense. Maybe we're making too much of this, but I think everybody's making a lot of this at this point. George Pickens caught, I believe one pass last night, two passes for negative one yards. Not great. I have him in fantasy football. Super not great. Had an opportunity at a touchdown. Didn't drag the foot on a, a play that, I mean, very unlike George Pickens yeah. at this point. But at the end of the game, there was fr- some frustrations. I read tweets. I wasn't watching the broadcast that they showed like Deontay Johnson trying to calm him down at one point. He looked miserable every single time the camera went over to him, even after the touchdown to Deontay Johnson, who caught his first touchdown in 668 days. As a teammate, you should be pretty hyped about that one. I get it. Two back-to-back really poor performances for this guy. Is there a concern for you? Is there a growing concern? Do you, are you, is there any worry on your end at all that there could be some drama or, or a, a situation brewing for George Pickens? I mean, a little bit, and just only because I don't really know what George is upset about. I mean, this is a guy who has mm-hmm. accounted for like a third of the team's receiving yards, about half of their receiving touchdowns, and a little bit under a quarter of their total targets. Like, this guy's getting fed. Yeah. I mean, he's getting his fair share of targets, and he's getting, I know he's getting what you'd expect. I'm willing to call him a number one receiver uh, at this point. He's getting what a yeah, number one receiver should. And so I just don't. I don't really know what he's mad at. Like, okay, yeah, you had a bad game. It just didn't work out, but the passing game wasn't really working for anyone. Uh, like, yeah. does he think he's the only one who's frustrated? Does he think he's the only one who's you know, maybe missing out on some production because of the struggles of the offense as a whole? Like, everyone's going through it, man. But you got to, like, I get it. It sucks, but you got to keep your head up a little bit. You got to, like, power through it. You got to fight a little bit. And you got to be able to compartmentalize and, like, say that, you know, one drive, one game that doesn't affect what you can do moving forward and that this stuff is just, like, going to happen during his career. Like, it's going to. I Like, yes. sorry, you're going to have bad games. You're going to have games where you don't get a ton of targets. And I don't know. It's also, it's also harder to be really forgiving of a guy getting super frustrated like this when, like you said, he didn't drag his foot. Like, he could have had a touchdown and yeah. just didn't drag his foot. And, like don't want to pretend like I could do anything that George Pickens does, but man, he had a lot of room <laughs> no. to get that second foot in. Like he had a lot of room. That's a oh, yeah. play that he not only has to like, has to make, but that you expect him to make pretty easily most of the time. Um, so just, you know, I think you lose a little bit of the right to get real angry real publicly at 
you know, everyone else and, and to sulk on the sidelines if you're not making every play that you possibly can. Yeah, I agree. And I think, look, at I think there's a part of it that maybe he's just upset with himself. Yeah. He, he did not speak after the game. He was like, he, the, I don't know if he was in the shower or what, but I was in the locker room for a half hour. I didn't see him one. I didn't even see a, I didn't see a Jersey. I didn't see, I didn't see cleats taken off nothing. It, so he avoided everybody. And I always think that's a little telling of just like, Hey, look at, you know, I don't want, I don't want to take the risk of this getting any bigger than it is. I yeah. think he acknowledges that, which I think is a good thing. Like I, I'd, I'd yeah. rather a player do that than go, you know, like last week, Deontay's freaking out in the refs. And in my head, I mean, you, everybody saw Mark Caboli's face, but in my head, I'm sitting there listening and going, Oh my gosh, man, stop talking, dude. You're going to get fined. Yeah. This is, this is so much worse. Just, you know, go, go complain to Mike Tomlin or somebody like I get it. I understand you. I feel like sometimes you just have to avoid the media. And I think that was a good move by George Pickens, but not knowing where that frustration lies is worrisome, you know, because Deontay's out here having great games since his return. George is quieting down because he's getting more double teams. And and like, that's the thing is when George is getting double teamed and Deontay's not on the field, you're still going to look for George because it's still George and he's going to beat those double teams. But when Deontay's on the field, Deontay's open, you know, like, why are you, why are you waiting for George to beat a double team when Deontay is fully capable of going for a hundred yards and 10 catches? Like that's, that's just an expectation. That's he's a wide receiver one as well. And I think that's the thing is like, that's where it becomes concerning is how long is this going to go? Because teams are always going to double team George because I mean, like, I don't know what Deontay has on the year so far, but I mean, in this game, he averaged 12.9 catches or 12.9 yards per catch. George is at like over 14 or like close to 18 or some crazy number like that on the season. That's a guy that you're going to double team every single time because that's explosive plays. And look at if it if it turns into drama, very concerning. If it doesn't, cool. But just like you said, you had an opportunity at a touchdown. You didn't really celebrate afterwards. Fans are noticing it on Twitter that you are noticeably upset on the sideline. That is concerning. And, and you know, like the, Colin Dunlap in 93.7, the fan said it the day before the game. He said, you know, George has every right to have a meltdown if the offense struggles. I don't think he has every right to have a meltdown if it doesn't struggle. But just like Dunlap said, like he's a wide receiver. So that means if he's good, he's a diva. And that is always a little bit concerning because I think that's true. And, uh, you know, I just don't want to see it get worse because I think George Pickens is super, super good. Yeah. And and I think we've like talked about this before, but like there's a difference between getting upset or getting angry in a productive way where he's like, you know, fired up and like, you know, ready to work even harder uh, to, to, you know, make sure that he gets his and that the offense keeps moving. But this didn't like seem like that. Uh, This seems like a little bit of, of sulking. Like I said, like the fact that you don't like celebrate uh, a landmark moment with Deontay like that, like that's, I don't know. That's a huge moment for Deontay and you should be like happy for your teammates. I don't know. Like, not understanding everything that goes on in that locker room and their relationship, like that just that seemed a little, you know, that was just not George's finest hour, you know, and he has every right to get mad about things, but don't make it like unproductive or or don't do it to the, you know, the detriment of other guys in the team, you know? Yes. Yes. I mean, and you got to look at like Pat Fryermeet's caught like a pass all season in the games right. that he's been in. <laughs> Connor Hayward's done almost nothing. Allen Robinson's done very little. Like, these guys, yeah, 
Sometimes yep. you just got to chill and wait your turn and it'll come. And and that's what George has to do. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Let's talk about final thing I want to I want to wrap up the show with. Every Monday, uh, I guess today's Friday. Man, today's Friday. We got football all weekend. That is oh, yeah. beautiful. That is so beautiful. All right. The Pittsburgh Steelers are 5 and 3. They're heading into week 10. They're still 2 and 0 in the uh division. Another win in the AFC, which is going to be huge in the playoff race. I mean, they look good last night for the most part. How uh where where do you stand with the Pittsburgh Steelers uh moving forward? Well, still a little concerned because I think the division around them is getting much better by the week. Um, you know, maybe not Cleveland, yes. but definitely Cincinnati and Baltimore. Those those two are both starting to look like Super Bowl contenders again. Um so I think like I think the standard has gotten raised for the Steelers. They certainly yes. looked better last night, I thought, but I don't know. Like I still feel like I need I need more from them because the rest of their their direct competition has gotten gotten better. Yes. Uh in the in and it has picked up. So like I said, like I said, I like I want more. Like I I want to see more to to prove to me that this is I guess not even an elite team, but a team capable of making the playoffs. But then again, like the results have been decent. Like, yeah, there's some stinkers hidden in there, but like those wins like look pretty good. And they like and they keep doing it. They keep winning. Like there are very few yes. teams that have gone through this entire year without laying a complete egg. Like even the Kansas City Chiefs do it. Uh and like I know this team isn't on that level, but like NFL teams are lose a lot of games, you know, like that stuff happens. Like teams don't just go just rip off 16 and 0, 17 and 0. The Steelers are taking their licks just like everyone else, but they've managed to do that while also jumping out to a 5 and 3 record. That's yes. I don't know. That's that's an accomplishment in and of itself. So like I said, I want to see more, but I guess like I, I'm still asking myself, like, how much do I need to see? Because they just kind of keep winning. They just kind of figure it out. I agree. I agree. I look at them every time they lose and I say, is this a playoff team? How concerned should people be? Are they going to be able to pull it together? How far can they drown? And every time they win, I just go, all right, well, they're pretty far above water. It's not like their neck is above water and they're just like, all right, well, we're breathing. That's fine. Like they're five and three. They're they're five and three. That's a good record to have heading into week ten. Teams would kill for a five and three record. They're sitting there. They're feeling real good. They're still undefeated in the AFC North. I think that is so significant. Like people are talking about, no, oh, well, just like you said, the AFC North is is getting tougher. I hundred percent agree with that. They pull out wins in Cleveland and Cincinnati in the next three weeks. They're four and zero in the AFC North. Four and at that point, you're in the playoffs. Like you're not, yeah. you know, it's not like ah, uh, maybe they're you're in the playoffs. Like that's you got seven wins. I think that the back half of the season has a lot of opportunities for the Pittsburgh Steelers to not only just continue to win, but also to pull off a couple of really meaningful games that could solidify you as a playoff team. Again, every time they lose, I get worried that this is the beginning of the end and man, how far are they going to drop and how bad is this talent? Every time they win, I'm like, yeah, all right, this team's uh, this team's got it. Like it's got everything it takes to get into the postseason. I'll say that my most promising aspect of this game the reason that i am so confident leaving this game in the pittsburgh steelers is because of what matt canada and the running game and the offensive line did 
and even what the defense did without Minka Fitzpatrick. Like they, yeah. there were so many things going against them and so many things clicked in the right way and stepped up in a big way. And I just thought it was huge for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think it's going to be huge for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I think a win, like I thought that was going to be a loss. I predicted a loss. We are now, I think, I think I still got you by a game, but I, was, I, pre- I predicted a loss. It, the final score was 2016. I had 21-17. Brutal. Brutal. <laughs> I was so close. That's as close as it gets, though. That's as close as it gets. Yeah. I, I feel uh I feel like I feel like they uh they they blew away my expectations. Even with a close game, they blew away my expectations. And that makes me feel very good about where they are and confident that this is right now a playoff team that is heading in the right direction, which is what you want in the back half of the season. With that said, we're heading out here. Thank you guys so much for jumping on to another episode of All Steelers Talk. Make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube, youtube.com slash all Steelers Talk. Check us out anywhere you get your podcast and find all of our work at allsteelers.com and our pit coverage at InsideThePanthers.com. Enjoy a football-filled weekend that doesn't involve the Pittsburgh Steelers. If you are a diehard Pittsburgh Steelers fan, Thursday night games are great just because you get to just enjoy football stress-free all weekend long, which is you know what I plan to do on Sunday is to not leave my couch. I actually called Pops Monday, I think, and I was just like, hey, what you doing this weekend? He's like, uh, nothing. I'm like, you should come down to Pittsburgh. I got a free Sunday. You can watch some <laughs> football. Pops is on his way. Going to eat some pizza, drink some beer, and just hang out as everybody should with stress-free football. With that said, enjoy another beautiful day in the Berg, a beautiful weekend in the Berg, and a victory Friday, Pittsburgh Steelers Nation. Peace.